Bible gives us all kinds of warnings and statements out there that listen uh, two men built their house one upon a sand one pound a rock storm beat on both of them storm hit both of them <laughs> one of them survived because his foundation and uh, you know listen it rains on the just and the unjust troubles come in everybody's lives it's how we handle those troubles you know John Maxwell said everybody's dealt a hand but it's how we play that hand that matters. Right. I mean, God equipped each one of us with different talents. How we use those talents God gave us, that's up to us. We want to squander it and throw it away, that's up to us. We want to have a good life. Listen, you can't help what happens to you, but you're only wanting to help what happens within you. It's how you want to respond to a bitter person, <clears throat> angry person, mean person. You know, soft answer turns away right. Amen. You know, but grievous words stir up anger. So, you know, it's, it's all how we choose to respond to certain people, certain situations. We make the best of it. Life throws you lemons, make lemonade, right? Amen, or we can, we can get better. He gave me the Holy Ghost. He gave me the power. He gave me all things pertaining to life and godliness. I got a divine nature. There's no reason why I can't, I can't get through. Amen, Colossians 2. So beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy. Verse 8. Vain to see that tradition of men, the rudiments of the world, not after Christ. We've been going through a list of things to beware of. Uh, last two times we discussed covetousness. We went into a sermon in Hebrews 13 about uh, people. It's all about people. Amen. Uh, he gives us a whole list over there in the process of that list. He's telling us about ourselves. Beware of covetousness. <laughs> Amen. He gives a warning about self. And then he says that we, you know, be content with such things you have that we may boldly say the Lord is our helper. That, well, that's, that's a big thing. Amen. Listen, God puts us through certain circumstances that we may see his help, his hand, his moving in our lives. You know, if trouble never comes, how can we ever say he's a very present help in the time of trouble? How can we ever say he's a help? You know? Uh, he's our protector. He's our guide. He, he comes through. Listen, there's there's times it, it may seem like he's late. Like that one song, Jesus is four days late, but yet he's right on time. And uh, listen, God, God makes no mistakes. And if you understand that he's not going to make a mistake in your life, you didn't get what you wanted, it didn't work out the way it worked out for everybody else, hey, God had something else. Amen? I... I learned a long time ago, the book of Job says, far be it from the Almighty that he should do wickedly. Job 34. He's not going to revert judgment. He's not going to do wickedly. And once you realize that there ain't nothing that happens in your life that, that God, God's allowed it to happen. If they, if they allow Muslims to come in here and hack us all to pieces, amen, God knew that. He could have stopped that. If he wants us to die for his glory and be chopped into pieces, well, that's the way he chose for us to go out. Let's magnify him. You know, I just don't want to magnify him vomiting my guts up because I got drunk. You know, I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to be caught in sin when it comes time to die. I want. I want to be found faithful to Him. And if it's a gunshot wound, then it's a gunshot wound. If it's a stabbing, if it's a heart attack, I just want to be faithful. You know, if I go out street preach, sometimes somebody runs me over with a car. I want to be faithful, serving the Lord. I mean, that's uh, that's all I can say. It's, one preacher told me this years ago and it really stuck in me he said a, a Russian guy was talking to an American and he goes he said yeah he said you Christians you couldn't you couldn't live for Jesus under persecution an American Christian said yeah you're probably right we might not we might not be able to do that he said but I bet you Russians couldn't have everything you could ever wish for and want and still serve Jesus <laughs> something about it could you come to America and have all your heart's desire and still serve God? That's why there's two verses that deal with the crown of life. Revelation 2.10. Be faithful, be faithful unto death. What? The devil cast some of you in prison. He said, right? He said, but be faithful unto death. So, and he'll give you a crown of life. And then over there in James 1, he said, Blessed is the man endure temptation. For when he's tried, he shall receive a crown of life. That temptation there is not necessarily facing a life and death situation. 
Amen. Could be a bunch of carpenters pining on your roof. <laughs> right, trying to sleep. Yes. <laughs> hey, uh, listen, temptation's come in a lot of different sizes and packages, and a lot of times it's that little flea that'll bother you more than the spider. Yeah. Amen. So uh, gnats can drive you crazy. There's little things that just boil your blood, get you all worked up. And little foxes spoil the vine. So we just got to beware of some things we covet just to beware of ourselves. Let's go to Acts chapter number 13. Something else God tells us to beware of. It's very important. I think it's one of the most important warnings in all the Word of God, Acts 13. Verse 38, he said, Be it known unto you, therefore, brethren, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. Thank you, Lord. And by him all that believe are justified from all things, which he could not be justified by the law of Moses. Hallelujah. We could take a lap there and just shout her out. Amen. Amen. God justified me through his son, by his grace, through his blood. Yeah. Amen. And no matter what I could have done through the law, trying to live it, there's no possible way the law could ever justify me. If there had been a law which could have given life, verily righteousness should have come by the Amen. Thank God it's through Jesus Christ I got a life. Verse 40. Beware, therefore, in view of what we just read, lest that come upon you which is spoken of in the prophets. Behold, ye despisers, and wonder, and perish. For I will work a work in your days, a work which ye in no wise shall believe, though a man declare unto you. Think about that thing. He's given us a warning of unbelief. I, I want to see God do a great work in my life. I want to see God do a great work in my lifetime. I'd love to see hundreds saved and thousands come to Christ. A young man just went to a place where a billion people are at. And he preached. And 200 got saved. It's like two little grains of sand amongst a billion people. That's three times the population of the United States of America. And uh, he went over there to India and got to preach. Amen. And, and what a blessing. He said, did they all get saved? I got no idea. Did easy believeism? I got no idea. Did they hurt him in and say one, two, three, repeat of me? I got no idea. But they said 200 people made a professional faith. We'll see at the judgment seat. I'm sure some of them were sincere and some of them were real. Right. Amen. Amen. Yep. But I'd like to see God do a great work. I really would. I wish I could go down through here, knock on a thousand doors, and a hundred people come to Christ and join the church. Serve God, read the Bible, and ten of them surrender to preach. Wouldn't that be a blessing? God give me 10% in the ministry? That'd be a wonderful thing. <laughs> I've knocked on thousands of homes, and I barely get anybody to even open the door and talk to me. And then when you pull out a gospel track, they look at you like you got leprosy. And uh, listen, it's just hard. People, people just don't want to come to it. They say, well, preacher, uh, you just got to pray and fast more. Okay, come join me. Hey, Amen. I'll fast and pray with you just as much as you do. <laughs> and we'll seek God, and we'll see what God will do. Amen. And uh, all I can say is we're living in perilous times. And I don't want to get filled with unbelief. I want to believe the scriptures. I've looked at a few things today, seen some things that are going on around this country and around this world, the things that our Republicans have done now. They've betrayed the trust of the American people. They've turned uh, this new TPP bill over to Obama to give him his heart's wish, which he's going to turn over uh, the sovereignty of our government basically to another government to be able to come in and do things. Our Constitution is basically null and void. The documents that they're going to f sign into power is going to undermine our Constitution, and it is going to wind up being a living document that they can change and alter at any time they want to without having to, buy, to go through Congress or the House for anything. If the President wants to sign something, do something, change it any way he wants to have liberty to always change it and then there be turned over to international government and powers and corporations to be able to run and our businesses and everything will no longer be what they need to be he's he, he sold us out paul ryan which would have been the vice president of the united states sold us out mitch mcconnell jim john boehner all of them they sold us all out you want to know who the last vote was to sell us out Marco Rubio, he's supposed to be some great staunch conservative, sold us out. He's the last vote. And uh, these guys didn't even read it. 
They were told they couldn't even read it. And they voted to pass a bill they don't even know what's contained in it. That's crooked. That's treason. Our government's gone. We may be heading for a FEMA camp. I uh, got a video the other night from my uncle called Camp FEMA, and I watched it. It's amazing the history they got about the Japanese American internment camps and how they came through and they rounded up all these Japanese Americans and put them in, in concentration camp and the way, the way they treated them for years. Amen. American citizens, they rounded them up and how many other times things were done. And uh, it, 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 it's, it's amazing. And I'm, I'm just saying this, I'm no better than Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I'm no better than Daniel. I'm no better than Jeremiah. I'm reading over there, Jeremiah was dropped off into a dungeon. Except the dungeon where Jeremiah was at was a septic tank. And he was waiting in dung and in sewage. And a guy named Ebeg Melech came by with rotten rags and lowered him down, a picture of our righteousness. And that Ethiopian man lifted Jeremiah up out of the dung, out of the dungeon. I'm telling you, the man of God, the men of God went through some things. They were put on starvation diets and stuff like that. They went through stuff. They were taken into captivity. Jeremiah told me, he said, guess what? When Nebuchadnezzar comes in, you know what you do? You don't run to Egypt. You go out and you submit to the king of uh, Babylon. Man, that don't sound right. It'd be like saying when Putin comes into America, you all go out there and bow down to him and say, we're your servants. That just don't sound right, does it? That's some hard preaching. That's some hard believing. So I'm an American. Well, I'm an American too. But you know what? They're taking away a Confederate flag right now. They're attacking it. Yeah. They're trying to create a race war. And they're going to take away old glory. It's going to be illegal to fly that thing one of these days. I've told you for years, the next flag is coming is a UN flag. And if we're going to want to be in a free service and have a worship service, we're going to have to renounce this. We're going to have to set the UN flag and I have to accept their laws and treaties or we'll be forced underground. See, I don't believe that's going to happen. Listen, people have been riding Disneyland America for too long. Disneyland America is over with, friends. We're coming to the hard facts, reality. And all the Bible believers say, well, all that stuff you're talking about is only going to happen in the tribulation only. <laughs> you, better, you better wake up. Unbelief. God said he'd work a work in our day. We've been praying for revival for America. What if a real revival comes in a concentration? What if a bunch of those religious Tea Party people like Michelle Bachman and other people that are Lutherans, amen, that may not really be saved and trying to do good things come to find out they really need to get born again? Yeah, amen, amen. There's a bunch of people that are got good morals and go to church, but they may never been born again. Brother Lovell had a man right behind his church over there, pastored until he retired as a Lutheran preacher, came over to visit Brother Lovell. Their churches were a parking lot apart. And he came over and heard Brother Lovell preach. Came, got saved. Said, I ain't never heard that. The Lutheran church sent him his sermons and he had to preach what they sent him. He preached 15 minutes and he was done. Preached for years and years and years. All them people, all he could think of is they're going to die and go to hell under his ministry. He was a lost preacher. But I tell you what, you, you got no idea who we may face in one of those places. Amen. Maybe a cop. Maybe our tormentors. Maybe our persecutors. Maybe God will put his grace upon me while Muslims cut my neck to touch, touch of God and touch him. I don't know. I've got no idea. But I know one thing. Whatever comes down our way, I want to be found faithful. And I, I'm not going to put anything past God. And I don't want to foolishly charge God or blame God. Amen. Listen, I preached here the weekend Brother Dax Tolby showed up. I preached Daniel chapter number 9. And I preached about what it's going to take to send revival to our country. And some folks did not like what was said. Amen. <laughs> Why? Because I got graphic. So what do you mean you got graphic? I confessed the sins of America. Jer uh, Daniel began to confess the sins of his fathers and the sins of the elders and the leaders. And I said, did you ever confess the sins of your elders and leaders? And I began to give an example of how America is sinning and what they need to get right about and the sins that they got to confess for God to even turn his wrath against America away. And people said, you shouldn't talk about that in the pulpit. And I was just giving examples of confessing America's sins. People said, oh, it's just a little bit too bold, too graphic. You know what I found out when that was said to me? What? They ain't confessing the sins of America. 
They ain't going to America and being that plain and talking to God. Openly telling God, what's going on in America, God? Our elders, our leaders. I can't even say some of the things that I heard from a guy that was an insider. I heard from my uncle, and then I heard his own mouth today. He called in a radio show that my uncle's on all the time. The guy began to explain things. He was a right-hand man. He was the man that wrote the plan to make Bill Clinton the president of Arkansas. And he was a right-hand man. His name's Larry Nichols. And Larry Nichols was Bill Clinton's right-hand man. He got Bill Clinton elected. Him and uh, he was there with Hillary and, and Bill in the White House. And he's, he had to wind up leaving there. He's a whistleblower. And he begins to expose how bad Bill Clinton is. And as best and quiet and nice and easy as I can say it, he said, as a womanizer that Bill Clinton was, Hillary used more women than he did. And they want her to be president of the United States. I'm just trying to tell you, those people are wicked up there. And we need to be confessing our sins, but also the sins of our nation and the sins of our nation are worse than most people ever even think about. What's going on down in Washington, D.C.? And you begin to spend time with God saying, oh my God, our nation, our preachers, our country, our leaders, our president, oh my God. I believe God. I believe it's going to come down just like he said it's going to come down. I believe all nations that forget God will be turned into hell. Psalm 19 says 917. I, I believe this going. I believe America's going to hell. I don't want it to. I preach hard against it. And the harder I preach against America trying to get right, the more our people get offended. Because they don't want to really realize that Disneyland's over with. Everybody wants to treat America. Everybody's enjoying Cedar Point, Kings Island, and SeaWorld. They don't like to see that it's the nasty now and now and what God's going to do. God's going to judge sin. They've been making legislation. They've been voting all this stuff in, and God's saying, all right, who's going to tolerate it? And Americans go, oh, we'll accept it. Just let me eat my cake, too, and I don't care what they do next door. That's why America's going down. People aren't crying out against it. People aren't taking a stand. What are you talking about, preacher? The gospel's great, verse 38, 39. Verse 40 said, beware. <laughs> beware what? Missing God through unbelief. Missing God through unbelief. Acts chapter 20. I don't want to miss God. I don't want to be full of unbelief. I, I, I confess my unbelief all the time to God. God, I believe, help thou my unbelief. I said, God, I'm so, I'm so stinking full of unbelief. Listen, I believe that's the sin that does so easily beset us. And when you get over there and you look in Hebrews chapter number 3, I think it's verse 12. Amen. He said, lest an evil heart of unbelief spring up in you. What? People departing from the living, from the Lord. People depart from the, the true and living God. How? Through an evil heart of unbelief. And when I see that, I see every sin that people commit as a Christian is they don't believe the book. Everything results around unbelief. You made a statement tonight about uh, that brother's sermon the other day about golden faith. And uh, you said there's one thing that can that uh, can dissolve gold. And you said it was hypochloric acid. Hypochloric acid. And uh, but that makes sense when you sit back and say there's only one thing that stops faith. Mm. <laughs> Unbelief. Yeah. Right? Unbelief's the only thing that inhibits faith. It holds back faith. Catch, the Bible says he couldn't do many mighty works. Why? Because of their unbelief. Right? And that thing's like a canker, an acid. You know what it'll do? It'll dissolve your faith and, and belief in God. It'll ruin your Christianity. That's why you can't encourage and, and, and nurse doubts. You must get rid of doubt. you you got to throw doubts away. You cannot allow unbelief to settle in. You know what the devil wants to do? He wants to turn around and cast out on the book. What Jesus said over there in Luke 18, when the Son of Man comes, will he find what? Faith. Faith. Amen. I heard one preacher preach that, and he goes, the passage is dealing with prayer. Men ought to always pray and not to faint. And he says, in a sense, could we say this? When the Son of Man comes, will we find anybody praying? 
right? He gives an example about the unjust judge and that widow. Lord, avenge me, my adversary. Avenge me, my adversary. Avenge me, my adversary. He said, he said, shall not God avenge the very elect? Cry out him day and night. <laughs> he's talking about prayer. The whole passage, the whole nine verses, talking about prayer. And then he throws that in. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith? Will he find anybody claiming him? Will he find anybody asking God to deliver him to their adversary? Will he find anybody willing to stir himself up and pray and talk to God about things? Will they find anybody that's willing to trust God for something? You know what it's coming to? Unbelief, 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 unbelief. Preachers will stand up and preach and rob you of your faith in the book. Tell you that this book ain't the word of God and you need to trust them. Look to them. Look to something else besides God. You can't believe this book anymore. It's outdated. They're nuts. I believe in the book. A bunch of men telling you you can't even, don't even confess your sins. Jesus paid for them all. You don't have to confess your sin. I say this. I've tried First John personally over and over and over again and it sure works good and I'm going to keep using it. I've gone to God where I've blown it and I've confessed my sin to him. And you know what? I've left forgiven and felt like I've been washed and cleansed. I know one thing. If there's a problem between me and her and I go to her and ask her to forgive me, it sure feels good when I get that thing cleaned up. Amen. Amen. I get my relationships right with God. I practice 1 John, 1 John 1, 9. All these other guys don't ever want to. I know a guy that got talked into that. He's dead tonight. He said, what happened? They told him everything was taken care of Calvary. He never has to forgive us, confess his sins and do all that. Yeah, well, he wound up committing suicide. I think I'd rather take 1 John 1, 9 and confess it, amen, than to turn around and try to carry a load that I'm not designed to carry, kidding myself that because I've sinned against God in my walk, that my walk doesn't need washed. God may have forgave me for everything at Calvary and the penalty of at Calvary, but if I go confessing my sins, I better get those things right. Amen? What do you, what do you think... 1 Corinthians 11 is about when you have the Lord's Supper and you're supposed to examine yourself. But those guys must not believe in examining yourself as always taking care of a cow. Amen. All right, let's go to Acts 20. That's where I told you to go, right? Verse 28. Verse 27 is very good. I love verse 27. I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. That's a very good one. That means you're supposed to preach everything you can about what the Word of God says about everything it says. Right? The whole council. Verse 28, take heed. Beware is what he's trying to say. Take heed therefore on yourselves and all the flock over which the Holy Ghost made you overseers. Amen? To feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Isn't that bad? You know what he's going to tell you? He said, you got a good little church going on there. But he said, when I leave, he said, there's a wolf coming in. You better be careful. Right? Better be careful. And then this is, this is, this is a good one. Verse 30. Also of your own self shall men arise speaking what? Perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years, I cease not to warn every one night and day with tears. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them that are sanctified. Isn't that a blessing? we got to be careful. Amen? But he's giving you a warning. Listen, I know a church right now that, that uh, they, they lost their pastor, and uh, they got another guy in there, and the sheep are scattered left and right. That kind of stuff happens. And then there's times a person will leave like Paul. And when they leave, then some guy in the church will rise up and he'll take it all over and he'll get a hold of that authority and he'll get a hold of that power. And when they call in the preacher, he don't want to ever let, relinquish that power. And you know what? He's going to cause trouble. And then you get a young man that's called to preach and he goes off to Bible school and then he comes back and then he knows more than a preacher and then he wants to split the church and he draws people after. In fact, uh, Brother Lovell was preaching one night and the preacher walked through the back door. And uh, he started passing out flyers and inviting people in the church, to his church. And Brother Lovell said, you can't do that. And he goes, why not? Free country, people go to any church they want to. And he goes, good. Then uh, put your tracks down, bring your people here. He goes, why? He said, you said it don't matter where people go to church, so bring your people here. Well, I ain't going to do that. He said, then you get out of my church. And he gave him the bum rush. <laughs> 
threw him out of the church. That's how bold he was. He's willing to walk in the back church and go soul winning in Brother Lovell's church to draw people away. That's how bold they were. I'm telling you, I, I mean, I, I, the one word I kept saying every time I sit down with a preacher and he'd tell me some things, I said, man, the audacity. Some people's got some audacity. To be, I mean, you talk about boldness to be able to do something like that. All I know is I've done all I can do to make sure that I would never take away anybody's sheep. When I come up here to Brother Easton, I never one time tried to minister to his sheep. I was a minister in his church going to Bible school, but I was not a minister of his sheep. Never tried to draw a disciple after me about one thing, period. And then when I was under Brother Lovell, I made sure I ain't drawn no sheep. I had a man that lived not too far from here. He said, good, when it's icy and cold, you can come. I can come to your church. I said, no. He goes, you want my family to drive on ice? I said, if it's icy and you can't go to your church, you ain't coming to mine. And then I told Brother Lovell that. And he goes, you said that? I said, yeah, he's your sheep. He ain't my sheep. I ain't learned so. I ain't, ain't going to allow him to have a church to go to that's a little bit more accessible than what he's got and then turn around and try to steal your sheep and then there's a wedge between me and you. I said, it ain't happening. <laughs> I mean, I nailed that thing down so good that he's done been gone for two years and there ain't none of his people come over here. You understand? Why? Because I ain't going to be, I ain't trying to draw away disciples out of nobody. Amen? In fact, I encourage them to, to, to love their pastor and help their pastor. And, and to get in their church. Amen. Beware. Beware. What? Unbelief. Beware. Amen. That uh, you're going to fall from your own steadfastness there. You're going to miss God through unbelief. All right. Let's go to another one real quick. Philippians. Philippians. we got some more bewares. This one's sanctuship. <laughs> Amen. And get the rats running out the boat. Philippians chapter number three. Beware, beware of missing God through unbelief. Beware from falling of your own steadfastness. Finally, brethren, Philippians 3, 1. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. So reputation, amen, is a mother of learning. It's good to repeat things over and over and over. Preacher, you just keep going over some things. You're learning, amen. That's how you learn, repetition. Notice what the first one says, verse 2. Beware of who? Dogs. Now, is that poodles? Is that German shepherds? Is that pit bulls? No. Well, who is that? Huh? You know, it's like man, uh, compared to dogs, but that's uh, predominantly Jewish. All right, let's go to Matthew 7. Matthew chapter number 7. This is a message to the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom. And he's talking to Israel. And he's giving them warnings. And in verse 6, he said, Give not that which is holy unto the dogs. Is he talking about going to the Gentiles? Gentiles are liking on the dogs. He says in Matthew 10, he said, Go not the way of the Gentiles, but only the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Is that what he's referring to there? Notice what he says. Neither cast your what? Pearls before who? The swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and what? Rend you. Let's go to 2 Peter chapter number 2. 2 Peter chapter number 2 will help define some things that we need to find in the scripture. Comparing scripture with scripture. Amen? Right? Cast not your pearls before swine. What are pearls? Huh? It's a living stone. It's a living stone, isn't it? It's a hard thing that comes out of a clam. It's a living organism. It's alive. It's a picture of your converts. It's a picture of your children. Right? And don't cast them before who? Dogs and the swine. Right? Well, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 22, well, verse 1 says, There were who? False prophets among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies. Even denying the Lord God that bought them, bring upon himself swift destruction. Many shall follow the pernicious ways, by whom the way of truth, by reason of whom the, the way of truth shall be spoken evil of. And through covetous shall they, with feigned word, make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. Verse 22. 
But it happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed to her own what? Water. Did you know that the way I was told it, that Judean wolves or wolves in that Palestinian area, they run in pairs. And when they run in pairs, they run male and female. And when you compare the, these last days that we're living in, that most of all these so-called religions today on television are running pairs, male and female. Right? Kenneth and Gloria Copeland. Paul and Jan Crouch. Jim and Tammy Baker. Right? Uh, Joel and Victoria Olstein. They're running all these pairs, and these women are getting up preaching, and they're co-pastors with their husbands. Like down in uh, Mississippi where I was at, this guy had this church down there, and it was George and Janet Lee, co-pastors. And uh, they were faith-healing people, and they would heal cars. And my truck wouldn't start one day, and this guy from work come out there, and he licked his fingers and smacked the dash. He said, in the name of Jesus, and the car wouldn't start. The truck wouldn't start. Wow. And he goes, in the name of Jesus, and tried to get, and he couldn't get my truck started, and that guy never talked to me again. <laughs> Amen. There was people going there that believed. We had a man in our church down there in Mississippi, and his daughter then believed that they could go uh, heal cars and stuff, and they were on their way back from one of them great meetings, and her car broke down, had to be towed by a tow truck. <laughs> Amen. Why didn't they lay hands on her? I guess they didn't have faith. You understand? God knows how to make idiots and fools of people. But that, that church had George and Janet Lee, right? Uh, a lot of this stuff, they got all these women now are co-pastors with them. And a lot, like right down here, Solid Rock, the man had a heart attack, but they were husband and wife, and now she runs the whole organization, right? And then I, I work with, uh, at where I work at, there's a guy that comes in, he's a real nice guy, but his wife's his pastor. And she's the pastor of the church. And their niece or their their some cousin or somebody, 55, just died of cancer. And they're in all that healing and everything. Why didn't they heal her cancer? She got saved, but how come she didn't get healed? See, they, they excuse away all this kind of stuff that they can't answer and explain. But that's just a sign of false prophets. And I'd like to give you something here. A lot of people, they want to go to verse 20. For after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, and they are again entangled and overcome, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better that for them that had not known the way of righteousness than after they have known it and turned from the holy commandment uh, delivered unto them. Okay? We can sit back and say, number one, it doesn't say you lost your salvation. Number two, it does say, uh, your latter end can be a whole lot worse than when, when Christ found you. When Christ found you, you was a wreck. <laughs> but if you want to, Christ has set you free and he set you free, and then you want to go get back and tangled up on all that stuff, your latter end is going to be worse than when he found you. You're going to reap more than you sow, and you're going to wish you didn't mess up and take that name and drag it through the mud. But let me tell you something else. Anybody that's a child of God, right, is considered a sheep. A child of God is never considered a dog or a swine. So that's dealing with lost people right there. Right? Let's go to Revelation 22. Revelation 22. Revelation 22, verse 14. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have a right to the tree of life, that they may enter in through the gates of the city. All new Bibles want to change that. John or Rice and other people wanted to change that. That's a total different dispensation, salvation versus the church of age. Church age. They're trying to make this verse line up with the church age. This is people in the millennium to save the millennium. Amen. Verse 15. Watch this. Without our who? Dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth to make it a lie. Listen, these are people, right, that are left out. Verse 11, look at it. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. Amen. He which is filthy, let him be filthy still. He that is righteous, let him be righteous still. He that is holy, let him be holy still. Listen, you're dealing with something here at the end of the millennium, entering into eternity. And there's some things there that God's bringing out that has nothing to do with the church age. you got to understand where it's set at. Okay? And he said, without our dogs. Now, personally, 
I don't think there'll be any dogs in New Jerusalem. Amen. Or cats for that matter. Amen. Listen, I don't think there's going to be no litter boxes. I don't think there's going to be no golden fire hydrant. Amen. The last thing I want to do is when I'm running around the streets of gold, see a little pile left by, you know, Fido. <laughs> Amen. That's what heaven would be. And, you know, it'd be little, little puddles and little piles everywhere. I don't think that'd be heaven. Do you? Right? To me, walking out the backyard and, you know, you say, oh, guess what? My dog just left me. That wouldn't be heaven, man. <laughs> and there'd be words wanting to enter up in my mind that I wouldn't, I, I just don't think I'll be hearing somebody go, oh, man. I don't think we'd be hearing that up in heaven. You understand? Number one, I don't believe that's a physical dog. I don't believe that's a real dog. I believe this is insinuating an individual, a person. Okay? Who might this person be? Let's go to Proverbs 20, or Deuteronomy 23. Deuteronomy? Deuteronomy 23. I got a feeling who that might be. And uh, some folks don't like it, but I didn't make I didn't say it in the verse. God did. Amen. Deuteronomy 23, verse 17. There shall be no whore of the daughters of Israel. Who, who is that? Let me ask this. What is a whore? I know it's tough. I know you're not supposed to say nothing like this in church, you know. Listen, it's Bible. God put it in there. It's something we got to understand. The world out there, we don't know anyone that's like that. They're ladies of the evening. They're having an affair. Well, they, they have a partner. She's promiscuous. But you can't call a girl really what she is anymore in today's society all this political correctness. But the Bible says if a girl goes out and loses her virginity, she's a whore. Well, one time it was an accident. God says if you go out before you're married and you fornicate, you're a whore. It didn't say you're a whore if you do it over and over and over and over and over and over and over, and over, and over again. If you want to participate in fornication, he said you're a whore. You understand what I'm saying? Read Deuteronomy 22 and then compare it with Deuteronomy 24. God's trying to tell us some things. But men don't understand don't want to read it. Listen, that's a hard thing. Listen, that's all prom night is. Prom night is is what? Where you tell girls to throw your purity out the window. That's all it is. So therefore, he says, there shall be no whore of the daughters of Israel. What's he say in Deuteronomy 22 to do to her? He says he kill her, doesn't he? Right? Verse 23. If a dam 22, 23, if a damsel that is a virgin be betrothed to her husband, and a man find her in a city and lie with her, then shall they bring them both into the gates of the city, and you shall stone them with stones so that they die. Because the damsel what? Didn't cry. You understand? They put away that stuff. They didn't just sit back and say, okay, you break up with Jack this week, and you go out with John next week, and then you go out with Bill the week after that. You understand? Why? You could put away evil. I just want you to see where we're at here in the context. Verse 17. There shall be no whore of the daughters of Israel, nor what? A sodomite of the sons of Israel. So we're talking about a man being a sodomite and a girl being a whore, right? Verse 18. Thou shalt not bring the, the hire of who? A whore or the price of who? A dog there in the context is a sodomite. Think about that. For without her dogs, God says, guess what? There ain't going to be no dogs. Where? He said, beware of them. You better be careful. We got a society that's promoting those dogs. And they're wanting them dogs to be turned loose. They're running like packs. And there's a bunch of these famous sodomite dogs that have said, we're, gonna, we're not going to stop till we molest every child. And it's, now they got an association named National Association Man-Boy Lovers. North American Man-Boy Lovers Association. NAMBA. I'm telling you, they're wicked. And you know what they did in Genesis chapter 19? They wearied themselves for the door. They seen fresh meat. They go, whoa. Let's, 
find him and let's know those men. And they were struck with blindness and they wearied themselves to find a door. And then they seen a Benjaminite in Judges 19 come through and they stormed the door and they threw his wife and his daughter out to him and they abused that concubine all night till she died. Who were they? Benjaminites that were sodomites. They're dogs. Amen? That's who he's talking about there. One place is talking about false prophets. Another place deals with the nation of or gent, or the, the Gentiles in general. Gentile, Gentile dogs. But we're to be wary. Those dogs are aggressive. They're vile. They're mean. You ever see a bunch of packed dogs? You ever see? Listen, there's cities. I seen a video the other day about St. Louis. They got a bunch of dogs that have now been turned loose and they're running around in packs. And they're killing things and, and they're troubling people and they're troubling neighborhoods. And these dogs are running like lone wolves out there. I mean, just ready to devour and fight and kill and hurt people. They're attacking things. They're killing neighborhood dogs. It's become a problem and it's coming a bigger problem in a lot of major cities. Well, that's what happens with these type people. They begin to start running in packs and they get vicious and they get mean and they get angry and uh, they're wicked. You know what God said? We better beware of them. Philippians chapter number three. We'll try to get through a couple more and we'll be done. Philippians chapter number three. Beware dogs. Verse two. <laughs> Amen. I'm aware of false prophets. Oh, by the way, the pearls, your converts. You better be careful giving them to the false prophets. Because when you send those people to false prophets and they go to some school or someplace and they learn that the Bible so-called not the word of God no more, and they begin to learn false doctrine, they'll come back to your church. Amen. They'll turn and rend you. They'll hurt you. That's what that's what prop, or Acts chapter 20 was talking about. Men of your own selves. Better be aware. Amen. Them pearls will come back. Amen. And they'll, or them dogs will come back and, and swine, and they'll, they'll, they'll destroy those pearls. They'll destroy your converts. We got to be careful about the, who, who, who disciples. Beware of dogs. Beware of who? Evil workers. Philippians, or 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter number 2. 2 Timothy chapter number 4, I'm sorry. 2 Timothy chapter number 4. Verse 14, he said, Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil, and the Lord rewarded him according to his what? His words, of whom be thou ware. <laughs> Amen. You know what he's doing? He's giving you warning about bad people. You know what he said in Romans 16, verse 17 and 18? He said, Mark them which preach contrary to doctrines ye have learned, and avoid them. You understand? You're supposed to, you're supposed to be warned by them. Look at what he says in uh, 2 Timothy chapter number 3, verse uh, 5. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. For this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins and lead, led away with divers' lust, ever learning, never able to come to knowledge of the truth. Now, Jannes and Jambres, amen, withstood Moses, so did these also resisted truth. Amen, men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the truth, but they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest on all men as as theirs also was. Amen. What's Paul doing? Paul's warning you about bad people. Right? Verse 10, 2 Timothy 4, 10. For Demas hath what? Forsaken. Why did Demas forsake him? Having loved his present world. Amen. There's some people just going to quit because they fall in love with the world. They fell out of love with God and they fall in love with the world. You got to be careful. You got to be careful with your associates. Who are you running with? Evil workers. Let's go to 3 John. 3 John. He's talking about some folks here. Amen. In verse 8, 3 John, verse 8, We therefore ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers of the truth. Amen. I wrote unto you, unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them receiveth us not. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds, which he doeth, prating against us with malicious words, not content therewith, neither doth he 
himself received the brethren and forbiddeth them that would and cast them out of the church. <laughs> Amen. Listen, you got to beware of certain people. Amen. Who? Evil workers. There's people that work iniquity. Right? What do you say in Matthew chapter 7? Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth what? The will of my Father, which is in heaven. And, and many in that day will say, Lord, did not we do mighty and wonderful works in thy name? Didn't we cast out devils in thy name? Didn't we do all this? And he said, He said, I'm going to say unto you, Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. Who's the worker of iniquity there? Were they out in deep sin? Maybe not. But they were false professors trying to work themselves into heaven, denying the Lord God that bought them. And they're a bunch of self-righteous people trying to get to heaven under their own merits and through their own works. And Amen. And he said, I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. Got to beware of evil workers. Right? Back to Philippians, and I'll be done. Philippians chapter number 3. Verse 2, he said, Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of concision. Concision. I had to look that up. But what in the world is he talking about? Amen. It's dealing with cutting yourself. Like circumcision. Cutting. Amen. And uh, mutilation. People want to cut themselves and mutilate themselves. Uh, but Brother Estep said this, and I don't know how he got to it, but I like it. He said, You've got to beware of hobby horses. People that just want to cut things out of the Bible, major on one thing versus the rest of the scriptures, and they get one little thing, they want to hobby horse that thing, and they want to go around to churches, and they want to turn around and preach their little hobby horses. Listen, I've heard Ronnie Trenton get up, and he'd start the camp meeting off, and before he start the camp meeting off, he said, hey, fellas, you leave your hobby horses outside. He said, you come in, you preach to us, you help us. No gut cutting. Isn't that what Ronnie said? You don't come in here and gut my sheep and cut the people up. We're, we're here to get help this week. Amen. And he said, if you can't help us preaching out of the word of God, then you don't get up and preach. Right. He said, we don't need each other. Listen, he said, we don't need to be cutting each other up. I'm not saying you can't preach the truth. I'm not saying you can't. Listen, there's guys that get the truth and say, I just can't wait. <laughs> oh, this will stick them. <laughs> I was told years ago, and I believe it. He said, you better put that message away because that's not the Holy Ghost talking. That's Amen. You know what Brother Lovell said? He said, you want to get up and preach to my people? Go ahead. He said, but you keep your 30-odd six long. He said, yep. you just preach shotgun. You just preach general, and if the word of God hits somebody, that's fine. But he said, you don't turn around and start pulling out. He had a young man get in there one night, and he was a preaching. And he said, listen, all you young people are wicked. Brother Lovell said, that's it. You're done. Sit down. The guy said, what? He said, sit down. He said, I got some pretty good young people around here. You don't know them, and you just said they're all wicked. And he says, you don't know what you're talking about, so sit down. You're done. Yeah. <laughs> it blew that guy's mind. He didn't know what to do with that. He just thought he'd come in, and he'd just start running his mouth and saying some things. He wasn't even thinking about what he was saying. No. Listen, I understand people are wicked in general, but you can't just be just coming around and uh, sucker punching the church. Amen. Amen. So listen, some guys get hobby horses, and I understand there's some guys that learn some truth under Dr. Ruckman. For example, they'll they'll hear him preach something about uh, what the forbidding fruit was in Genesis chapter number three, which I believe he's right on the subject. I believe the only forbidden fruit in the Bible is blood, right? And wine is the new wine's a type of the blood, and he believes it was a grape and. And I got no problem if he believes it's a vine tree. I like that. But some young man will hear that, and then he, every church he goes to, he's got to preach that. And he'll hear about spiritual circumcision. He'll hear some things that the average person doesn't hear. Amen. And then they got to turn around. They gallop all around the country preaching some of these wild ideas that Dr. Ruppman has. And the problem is they don't preach it just like Dr. Ruppman says it. And they leave some things out. Yeah. And when they leave some things out, they begin to really make Dr. Ruppman look kooky. Okay. Now, if you use his words against him, that's, you can use his words against him all you want. But just better make sure you got his doctrines right. Let's go to Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13. Amen. You got to beware of dogs. You got to beware of evil workers. You got to beware of the concision. Amen. Cutting yourself. Mutilation. Amen. 
origins called the uh, the origin of the the, the concision there is castration. Amen. But uh, Hebrews thirteen verse nine. Be not carried about with divers and what? Strange doctrines. For it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace and not meats, which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. Amen. I'm all for strong meat. I'm all for studying all I can with strong meat. But like when I went up to go preach for Brother Ireland, I didn't go up there and preach all the problems of the world and rip up all those people and preach to all those people to people that weren't there. Right. <laughs> you understand? <laughs> Amen. I preached to who was there, and that church needed some help. That church needed some strengthening. That church needed some encouraging. And I preached. I didn't back off and I didn't compromise. But I didn't go in there and beat them up either. And I didn't go up there and try to even wow them with a bunch of stuff. I preached some simple stuff. Like, for example, the first night, if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. Right? And it says, and therefore we have confidence with God. And I preached that night on, have you lost confidence in God? Amen. Boy, that, that place got quiet. And that altar filled up full of a bunch of people. Because you know what? The longer this thing goes on, the more we're going to be subject to not believe that book. Because we don't see the promises fulfilling. But most of the promises are filled when? Daniel 70th week and the millennium. The next promise we're looking for is the trumpet. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I'm not looking for the man of sin. I'm not looking for the temple to be built. Amen. I'm not looking for the, the red heifer to be sacrificed and slain over there. I'm listening for the shout. Yeah. Amen. So there ain't a whole lot of Bible prophecy let's fulfill in the church age other than the foolish Gentiles coming in. Amen. The end of the opportunity for people to receive Jesus Christ by faith through grace. So what I'm saying is you go and you try to help people. I'm trying not to have any hobby horses. There's things that I like. There's things I like to preach. But I want to preach doctrine. And I don't mind preaching doctrine over and over and over again. Listen, it's not a sin to pray repetitiously. The sin is vain repetition. Yeah. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a sin to beg God for, God save my daddy, God save my daddy, and pray that every day for six years. There's nothing wrong with saying that. That's not vain. Right? Our Father which art in heaven, I'll be, that's vain. Right. You understand? So I'm not against preaching something and God gives you truth and preaching that everywhere to help people, not impress people. <laughs> There's a difference. You understand? So I want to avoid hobby horses. I want to be able to preach truth, be able to help somebody come closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Help somebody that's struggling in their Christian life somewhere to get a victory. If there's a stumbling block somewhere, I want to turn it into a stepping stone. Amen. I want them to be encouraged. I want them to be, yes, I want them out of sin. But I've seen some guys that weren't preachers. They were railers. And I said, I don't want to be around a railer. Amen. And I think that's what the scripture there is referring to. That type of individual. Amen. Brother Nick, would you dismiss us in prayer, please?